Hey guys, it's uh, Tommy and Matt back again. You know who we are by now. We're uh, we're your host of Just the Basics. We're keeping the beat once a week for you here. This week we're going to talk about film scoring. Matt put together his list of his uh, his top ten all time film scores. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but before we get into that, well, I guess this is part of getting into that. Um, Film scoring is like a whole new thing. There, like, I I had a ton of friends at school that actually studied film scoring, and obviously that wasn't a thing years ago. Um, it's pretty interesting. I feel like Matt. I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like film scoring is kind of like the new frontier for classical music, the place yeah. where they can yeah. actually push the boundaries and actually get to do stuff with it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I've, obviously we don't have uh, big names like Beethoven that are out there writing symphonies and things like that. But nowadays, if you go to a classical concert or, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to see one of those pieces from way back then. And, um, and you don't really have someone out there that's like that, that's making new original content right now. And, uh, I know that they are there and out there, but back then, Beethoven, Mozart, Bach, they were like the rock stars of their day. That's true. So that's true. instead of going and seeing Def Leppard, you'd go and see Mozart. Right. And even though that might sound weird, we don't really have that right now. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, really. Um, so that's true. nowadays. You don't have that influence in the classical world like you used to, but there is mm-hmm. a huge platform for that style of music, and that is film. I mean, like when you mm-hmm. listen to film scores, you hear strings and you hear horns. You basically hear symphony writing all over the place, and you hear all that stuff. It's just a different, um, a different medium to present it to the listener. Kind of has and, a Wagnerian thing where it's supporting a uh, the Gesamtkunstwerk, where everything is acting yeah. together, visuals and acting and all that, and the music. It's all coming together to present one big product to the the audience right yeah it's everything works together for it because like i mean can you imagine watching star wars without the the film score behind it can you imagine how boring it would be darth vader it'd be a very bad movie (laughs) 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 just sounds like a a big asthmatic walking in the room (laughs) you don't hear any of the his theme song or anything like that can you imagine how dry that movie would be? Oh my god! It's gosh. just a grumpy James Earl Jones walking around the galaxy. <laughs> Seriously, or like watching the original Captain America when they're doing that chase down the street, and um, you, the the writing in that section is in seven eight one two bum dum bum dum bum 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 bum. Can you imagine them running through the streets, jumping over cars, and fighting people if they didn't have that driving force behind it? It'd be like it would just it'd be a comedy at that point. <laughs> I mean, kind of on that note, it's kind of hopping into things early. Sometimes that's exactly the kind of thing you need. Like in uh, The Dark Knight, there's that uh, mm-hmm. scene where uh, Batman's in the Batmobile, Joker's in that giant Mack truck, and um, <laughs> has like him shooting the, the, uh, the, the rocket launcher at the Batmobile, and they're in a tunnel, and it's a high-action chase scene, and... Uh, in that entire scene, there is no music whatsoever. Right. And it was purposefully building a ton of tension. There's a version of that scene that uh, 
well, actually, it might just be people that have dubbed over it on YouTube, but um, that scene has been placed with the Hans Zimmer dun, 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 the drums uh, playing, and it's not nearly as effective just because it doesn't um, doesn't allow you to be as fully immersed in every little thing right. and the uh, the sound effects. So that was that's one time that it actually works, but they have to or, they really um, have to go out of their way to make it work. Yeah, or that. like like there's two TV shows I think of in particular. Well, actually, three. Um, two of them are comedies: The Office and Parks and Rec. They don't they don't use a lot of music because of that. They want to create mm-hmm. that awkward type of comedy, and the music not having the music makes some of those weird jokes like even more awkward. And then um, right, the right. the other one is a drama. I'm sure everybody's seen Breaking Bad. The lack Ooh. of music in that really makes the show. Ooh, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, it, it wouldn't be anywhere near as a uh, Walter White like and uh, crazy like like the sh- episode where he gets out of the or he runs the guy over and gets out of the car and just shoots him in the head and drives off. Like <laughs> not having any music for that just makes it so like what like you know it's like unbelievable like what just happened i can't believe i just saw that the music yeah, would make really. it more believable that it happened you know so it's sometimes it is the perfect thing to not have it but i feel like for the most part though you really do need a good film score to make your movie yeah you need someone that can really um support what's happening on the screen paying attention to the themes characters there's a bunch of different ways of approaching a film score and i feel like a lot of the big names kind of have their thing down right. for the way that they do it um it's so i was thinking about it if uh if john cage did your film score it'd be you, you know it'd be he must he might have done it for breaking bad <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's got that song called 433 that literally the, the conductor sits up there with the stopwatch and hits start. And at four minutes and 33 seconds, he turns it off and there's no sound. <laughs> it's rest for the whole four minutes and 33 seconds. That's ridiculous. Uh, before we hop into things, I think part of the reason that we wanted to do this was that the Ox- the Oscars just happened. And, uh, yeah. I certainly don't watch that, and I know that you don't, and you probably don't even pay attention to it. But uh, there's a, quite a lot of controversy around the Oscars, especially this year, and uh, it's fairly amusing to watch. Um, I mean, I like uh, watching, a, I, I wouldn't say art house films, but good films. I, I don't think that anyone hates watching good movies, even though most of the time Bethany, Bethany and I just sit around watching really terrible films from netflix or hulu or whatever if, if it looks bad we'll turn it on and unless it's stupidly boring we'll end up watching the whole thing but there are some times that we watch the uh the best <laughs> of the best too oh yeah we're, we're weird uh, do you know how many children's movies i've watched and we aren't even close to having a kid oh gosh see my wife and by I the I time we have a kid uh, it'll be a repeat on so many terrible things Things I I mean I've seen most of the Tinkerbell movies now and uh, I'm not proud of that. <laughs> and so you decided no, to tell they're not the whole good. internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling the internet, don't watch those movies. They aren't good. 
That's so funny. <laughs> we See, my wife and I watch If you want to sit back and laugh, there you go. Well, we watch those movies too, but for a different reason. We got we had our baby on the way, so and she just loves that sort of thing, anyways. So, but oh yeah, it wouldn't be my choice. <laughs> <laughs> so. I feel like a lot of the time with uh with with film scoring, I certainly have never done anything of the sort, but I do love uh just listening to them in general. Like mm-hmm. I do have a playlist for that when I'm feeling like uh really digging in and listening to how someone is uh, creating a soundscape. A a lot of the time someone might have actual musical themes or it, it, they're more of making a, an atmospheric piece and both I think have a lot of merit to, uh, to the approach of things. And, um, well, and it can get into that a little more with specific stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely a thing that I'll go over later in the list because there's, there's one that I'm excited because I, I, I found some cool information for this year or this year, this year's podcast. We're not doing anything till next year. See you in 2020. <laughs> Goodbye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping the beat occasionally. <laughs> Every year, once a year. <laughs> <laughs> we Just we the play the slowest tempo ne- meant to man. Oh, no. Beat uh, one now. Bam. My cat just stole the microphone. Oh, no. He jumped up and then hooked his tail around the mic and pulled it away from my face. Stop it. Go away. That's impressive. I know. Well, this mic cat's stand a monkey. is really, really cruddy. Anyways, so uh, do you want to go ahead? We want to get started and start going through your list? Yeah, why not? I mean, we will say that I don't think either of us uh, know everything in the world about film scoring or film in general. Um there is a lot of very interesting composition that uh, goes into film scoring. They take the, I'd almost say the weirdest of methods in achieving uh, a piece. And uh, they will go in any direction that they need. So a lot of music theory rules stop applying necessarily. They'll, they, they find very interesting routes to get um, harmonic sounds that support what's on the screen. Well, so when you look at a film score, a lot of the time you'll just see what on earth is that and how did you come up with it? And the answer mm-hmm. is it's because it's the sound that they wanted to put on the, uh, behind the screen. Well, um, classical music was like that too. I mean, basically everything oh, post-block yeah, sure. didn't have rules like it used to. I mean, they have mm-hmm. some rules, but then they they pushed the envelope farther and farther. I mean, look at Beethoven. He didn't, he pushed it, but he didn't break it. And then everybody after him just kind of took the envelope and just tore it into little tiny pieces and threw it in the fire and just did whatever the heck they felt like. Yeah. 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 So there's, there's a lot of, you won't see like, uh, I mean, of course you'll get pop songs and some, uh, films use jazz music, but when it comes to more of a more traditional symphonic score, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, usually pop and rock stuff. That's but it's just like a soundtrack. Occasionally, it's a cover, and that's nice, I guess. But right. usually, I mean, for me, it kind of comes off cheesy most of the time. Like in Suicide Squad, where they had all those covers, and it didn't help at all. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly got attention with that Bohemian Rhapsody right. cover, but that's true. I mean, sometimes I it's perfect to do stuff like that, but. 
Yeah, sometimes a, so- a soundtrack approach is is great. I can't even think of any examples, but <laughs> oh well. I know I've heard them. Um, I just I can't think of them. I'm not a huge movie buff, so. I think my favorite is I don't th- I don't even know if it was in the movie, but there was a a um uh, a Johnny Cash song in Logan. Oh yeah. Uh, it, I don't think it was in the movie. I think it was the credits song. It might have been like in the very last moments, but I I can't even begin <clears throat> to say a more appropriate feel for the end of that movie. Right, it yeah. Really tied a nice bow on it and the whole tone because it the whole thing was more of a western than a superhero movie. And that, um, that's true, yeah. That that just was a perfect end and I'm not even into Johnny Cash, but there could not have been a better uh, sound for that specific movie, but yeah, I thought the same thing too when I saw that. It's time to get into the clickbaity top ten. <laughs> so yeah, number we, ten, we were not going to turn into a uh, a top ten channel or anything like that, but we're going to do it sometimes because it's fun. Though I mean, if that's it. what people want to hear. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. If you want us to become clickbaity, sure. I still don't think we could do that, though. That's just not our personalities. I tried a couple different lists, and this was the only one I've finished so far. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not good at this. No, it's, it's hard. I feel, it is. I mean, unless you just take like a generic. Okay, what are the top ten most popular right now? But yeah, that's what I that's what I tried to do is try to make this interesting. This isn't going to be like the uh, typical top 10 film scores and um and it take note this is the top 10 film scores for me this is my opinion and there is especially one on here that some of you out there if you know it you might hate it but it's one of my favorites and i don't care what you think i'm gonna put it on here anyway (laughs) hey it's your list you can do what you want right exactly yeah so the I re- totally recognize that I'm leaving so many scores off of this list that are incredible. Uh, so, like an honorable mention would be the Lord of the Rings. That is a wonderful score. It's very Ooh, memorable. That's only an honorable mention. Wow. Yeah, you got some like, high standards. It, it, well, I do love it, and I especially love the uh, the sound the, the uh, sounds for Hobbiton. Where are the hobbits live? Oh, the Shire, duh. The Shire, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like the uh, the Irish sound that's there. It's it's beautiful and and all that. It, it's a really good score. It's just not one of my absolute favorites. And gotcha. I, okay. I tend to think that that's a it's a bit cliche for one of these lists anyway. Right. So I wanted to, I wanted to be more interesting, and uh, that's why my top uh, ten starts with number ten, totally cheating and being a trailer. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. Number ten is a trailer. It is the uh, I don't I don't remember when this actually was released. It was really recently, but uh, this summer, Godzilla: King of the Monsters <laughs> okay. is being released, and um, the trailer uh, was because set the world to... needs another Godzilla movie. Oh, of course it does. <laughs> I'm actually kind of excited about it. I don't know if it'll be any good. It'll probably be terrible, but I'm I'm still excited to see it. I loved Godzilla when I was a kid. I didn't understand that those movies were, well, the movies of when I was a kid were really, really, real bad. 
the rubber suit ones were hilarious. And I even <laughs> knew as a kid that they were amazing in their own right and really funny. But anyway, so the, the trailer is set to an arrangement of Claire de Lune by, uh, well, it's by Claude Debussy, but yeah. the, uh, the arrangement was by Imagine Music. I don't really know much about them. I, this was cheating anyway, so I didn't dive that deeply into it. And um, they're not doing the uh, score for the actual film. That's being done by Bear McCreary, which okay. when I when I wrote this list, I did see other things that he's done, but they're not on my mind right now. Uh, he has a good background, though, so he should he should be fine for making it interesting. But the uh, the arrangement is uh, there's a bit of symphonic, there's a bit electronic, and the melody itself is sung by a choir, and okay. it is absolutely gorgeous. And I listen to it probably a lot more than I probably should. It's very short because it's for, it was set to the trailer and I think it was arranged for the trailer. Um, it wouldn't make sense otherwise because there are sound effects, uh, set to, um, line up with the trailer. So I don't think they even did a version that's outside of that. I wish they did something that was longer because the way that they, uh, arranged it, I would love to listen to in, for like 12 to 20 minutes. I don't even care. It's really right. beautiful. And like I mentioned in a podcast before, like Claire Lune is my wife and I's quote unquote song. It's what You're, was played yeah, you guys at our wedding. <laughs> and uh, um, so whenever I hear it in any arrangement, I'm a sucker for it in the right. first place. But this, this specific arrangement was absolutely incredible when also set with gigantic Japanese kaiju monsters on the screen, blasting <laughs> massive plasma beams into the sky and things like that. And, uh, it really added to, uh, the visuals cause the, the trailer looks really pretty. Right, it, okay. it might be so much nicer it, so than the movie I'm itself. It, it, it's worth looking at just cause visually it looks really pretty for something that's as ridiculous as a bunch of giant lizards beating each other up. Right. Um, and uh, it's a big change because I, I think this is considered a sequel to the Godzilla movie that came out in 2014. Uh, I don't okay. know if any of the cast is actually returning for it. I don't even remember what happened at the end of that film because it was really long and slow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it, so... It, yeah, I, I I don't know if I'd consider it worth watching. It like Godzilla looks great in it, and that part of it is, is entertaining. But it takes a long time to get there, um, right? And it, it, they uh, Brian Cranston, the guy that plays Walter White, is in it, and he was the best part about it. And he's gone like almost immediately, so that that took the pacing away a lot. But that that movie, the score, um. It uh, it honestly, it just sounded like one of those videos where it's like the, these this these are the sounds of the depths of hell, right? And you just hear a bunch of terrifying noise, like one of those videos, and that was basically what the score, or at least parts of it, sounded like. So going from that sound where it's really harsh and creepy to majestic and regal, what is a pretty big tonal shift. So I don't know if the, right. the actual film will use that tone in the score. It could 
be a much more entertaining film to me if they go that route of making uh, a really beautiful score set to these ridiculous ideas. Right. That 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 that's a very uh, interesting approach to it. Okay. But we'll we'll see about that. So that, that's my number ten because I I don't think I could leave off not mentioning. Uh, that it was probably the best trailer I've ever seen because of that right, music. Okay. Gotcha. And they are probably going to get my money in the theater because of it. And I almost never go to the theater. Except for Star um, Wars. We saw that like three times. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll always go to Star Wars. I'll, I'll <laughs> never miss that in the theater. I don't care how much people hate The Last Jedi. I will watch it again and again and again. That's too um, funny. So I looked up Bear McCreary because I hadn't heard of him before. I'm actually more uh-huh. familiar with his stuff than I realized. Uh, he did the video game God of War. That's uh, right. That's right. I he remember now. He also did, did Assassin's Creed games. Syndicate. And um, he also one. did, he does the TV show Outlander. Okay. And uh, Oh, Agents he did The Walking Shield. Dead. Yes, and The Walking Dead. I was saving that one for last, but you cut me off. <laughs> that, well, I just remember because I remember telling Bethany about it that uh, – that it, that has a good chance of actually being good because he did that Walking Dead theme. Yeah. Or, well, I assume he did the theme. <laughs> Between that and um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I would say it's probably going to be pretty good. That's 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 good to hear. That that could uh That'll justify your good top chance 10 of rating. Being <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see if it stays on there. I'll give an update when it, whenever when it, it releases. When it's released, yeah. Then we'll tell you the real <laughs> truth, but... As of now, it looks like it's going to be number 10. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We'll leave it at top 10 for now. All right. So the next one, number nine. I love this film. This is awesome. 2014's Interstellar. The score is by Hans Zimmer. And you can say what you want about the movie, whether it's that you uh, find the, uh, the science of the astronomy in it to be off cares it's a fiction yeah or if uh there are parts of it you don't enjoy for some reason i i loved this movie a lot i did too it like i don't understand what people don't like the whole time like i kept feeling like something terrible was about to happen but i wanted something good to happen so it captivated me i couldn't look away yeah i i i'm still not really sure what people didn't enjoy about it i mean one of the things i I really do like movies in space. I love everything to do with space anyway. So I'm already kind of partial to the film just because it's set in space and has um, fantastic uh, visuals of in space and such. Um, So, of course, I'll be distracted by that. So if there's like filmmaking issues that are along the way that I usually don't recognize anyway, cause I'm used to watching terrible, terrible movies, then I don't think I'm going to notice it in this one because there's too much that I love about it to notice anything that's really wrong with it. Yeah. And I, I just uh-huh. love the irony of the fact that you put this one on this list because being based in space and they spend the whole time basically just kind of floating, you know, Mm-hmm. and everything being based in space you don't hear sound in space which i just i mm-hmm. love the irony of that having your top one of your top 10 film scores being in a setting where there's literally no sound <laughs> <laughs> yeah really and well there's not uh, no sound I, but it, there's nothing for it to travel on because there's no air so you right, don't hear it right 
yeah, the sound doesn't go anywhere. However, that works in science terms. Yeah, we'll but, probably uh, have somebody email us and be like, hey, that's not how it works. Oi, oi, the sound still goes. It just can't go in your ears. What? It's like, <laughs> that, that's probably actually how it works, but I don't know. I don't know anything about Maybe, how it works. Yeah. I just love the irony of the fact that you don't hear anything, and yet there's music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. So uh, Hans Zimmer's score is, uh, it, it still has the symphonic stuff going on but i just really like that it seemed like he took uh, a minimalism approach yes i would agree with that Mm -hmm. so he definitely uses a organ that sounds like it's the size of a football stadium yeah when you're watching it even on even on a tv screen it sounds like the biggest organ that has ever existed and uh and they probably upped the uh the lows a bunch to support that uh that scale because it, it really creates the sound of that you feel like you would hear if you were in space and it was playing music. <laughs> if the Even stars wouldn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah, if the stars and the planets and the asteroids and the comet about to hit your face were about to uh, um, sing to you, that this is what I feel like you would hear. And um, and it, it's amazing. It's it's fantastic. It really is. I I like listening to it uh, casually. I've only ever watched the movie once. I could probably go for another watch again, um, and uh, and just in, and really pay attention and enjoy the music. Because if if I were going to score something someday, I kind of hope it would be something like this. Usually, I've written a few different uh, minimalism pieces and I'm trying to get back into that. And this is kind of the approach that I like to take yeah. and the kind of tones that it, I, that I like to go for. So it's just, and I feel like this tune or this, this tune, this film was set up perfectly to have an amazing uh, soundscape and an amazing mm-hmm. uh, score because of the way there's so much space in the movie. There's so much, no pun intended. Um <laughs> I even realized that that was the word I was using. Like, you know what I mean, though. It's just like it, you're in this gigantic. I mean, you're literally in outer space. It's like the the there's no borders anywhere. It's limitless. So, like when you're a lot of chances to breathe where you can't even breathe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, people are gonna hate us. Um, <laughs> but like, I just feel like it's such a big. I mean, it, it's literally infinite. It's such a, you could use any sound you wanted and come up with just the most amazing things. And Hans Zimmer, I feel like, did a, a perfect job on this one. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, um, I don't know the, the score front to back. I'm not one of those that knows every single track on a movie. I just know the, the biggest moments of it that I paid attention to. But uh, I, usually he has much more of a... Um, I don't know, like an up-tempo strut to his, uh, with a lot of percussive, uh, like uh, like when he did Pirates of the Caribbean or The Dark Knight with the you just feel like you could be riding a horse on a pirate ship into battle and um, be happy while doing so, kind of a thing. Um, if you're riding and a this horse one, on it seemed like he really ship, took you're probably going to go over Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, you're just riding in circles, and everyone's like, why is he doing that? That's not going to – how are you going to shoot a cannon when you're on a horse? You're Jack and then Sparrow, if they board your why. ship, they're just going to try to make you go overboard. That's all I would do. 
Hey, chase me over here. <laughs> nice, Sploosh. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> the Black Pearl is ours. Idiot. I mean, especially if you're as drunk as the pirates in that movie. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, why else would you be riding the horse? I guess you got a point there. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it seems like he really took his time with this one. It, it it's not the typical, um, like I said, where you could almost dance along to to mm-hmm. it. And I do love the uh, the score in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, it's really fun, and there are a lot of original, um, melodic sort of ideas in there, and. Uh, but this this one's just lovely. It's exactly what I'd want to hear for a movie like this, and um, and I can't imagine how you could improve upon it. Really, I can't think of anything. It's it, it's a good. It's a good. Except make the. So why don't we move bigger. on to the next one? <laughs> this one is the one that if uh if you know what it is, it this is the moment you might throw things at me. Come at me. Um, number eight is, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to chuck it real far. Um, so number eight, the last unicorn from 1982, the score is by, uh, Jimmy Webb. And most of the songs were performed by the band America. Real dumb name for a band. (laughs) Um, this, this movie is, uh, it, it's a nostalgia trip. Um, you can't really even call this a score necessarily, but it always makes me happy when I hear any of the music. The lyrics are stupidly cheesy. Um, contextually, they barely make any sense, but everything about the movie just really makes me feel real at, at peace. It gives me comfort. It, it's comfort food. I've watched this movie way more times than any grown man should (laughs) i i love the the uh the title track the just the song the last unicorn i i that's one that i'll sing at the top of my lungs in the car and i don't care (laughs) now i'm just curious um how did you end up watching this movie in the first place do you you even know um i'm 99 percent certain i saw it as a kid because when i've watched it uh, I don't know, maybe like four or five years ago. I don't. Um, I was really familiar with it, but I don't actually remember when I saw it as a kid. I watched a ton of movies back then, though, so I don't. I don't know when that happened. I probably like got it uh, rented from uh, not Blockbuster, but there was a there was one near us that I think it was called Magic VHS or something like that. It had a wizard for <laughs> their logo. It, it was a. <laughs> I even remember where it is. We live really close to where that was. It's been long gone way before Blockbuster went out of business. But uh, probably got it when I was there. Uh, This movie kind of goes hand in hand with like the never ending story, Secret of Nim, a lot of those old 80s kids movies. I don't know if Secret of Nim is from the 80s, maybe. But um, I don't remember the music in in, in that. But uh, Last Unicorn has really fun animation. It's from 1982. So it's Mm -hmm. from way back then. A lot of the, the character designs, I just really like that. It's a, especially for the, I don't remember if he calls himself a magician or a wizard, but his name is 
Schmendrick. And Schmendrick. Uh, my, my wife and I like to quote him because every time he shows up, he just has a thing where he says, Schmendrick is with you. Schmendrick and he's is really, with you. He's really awkward and uh, uh, amusingly, he, he kind of looks like you. <laughs> <laughs> He kind of does. So if, I look if, like a clumsy sorcerer. Like, Thanks. <laughs> he, he looks like a bulls. So he really does. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, he, I gotta he look has up a really what this guy looks like. Outfit. Yep. Yeah. Schmendrick. Yeah. Let's see. Let me look. He him looks up. like I'm a bulls. He, he, it's like Let's a dorky see. cousin that you would probably it. pick on, and uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> you would want on the other team of a of a flag football at the family reunion so that you could take him out. You know, he kind of does look like me, except he's got a bigger nose. Yeah, yeah, that is hilarious. Oh my gosh, I do look like a clumsy sorcerer. <laughs> he's he's such a dope, but he's lovable. That's the, so funny. The unicorn herself is pretty doggone funny because she's kind of smug <laughs> right i feel like and, uh, anytime they have it, a talking horse great. or anything like that in a movie they're kind of smug like the one in um what's that movie my wife likes uh tangled yeah oh yeah one. yeah yeah that horse is a jerk <laughs> <laughs> it's great or donkey <laughs> oh my gosh Shrek. yeah that one that's that's pretty that's a pretty good talking animal He's not really a horse, but he's close enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I wouldn't really necessarily say that the music in this is anything to aspire for necessarily. It's just something that but you like. It, it's something I love, and I uh, will always appreciate it. And I, I do actually like the title track, especially in covered versions that I've heard. Um but of all the old animated movies that I love, because I really do enjoy animated right. stuff, that, mm-hmm. that one's probably the top of my list. Like tonally, it goes along with what I enjoy. And um, there's also a big jerk of a butterfly at the start of it that quotes a lot of jazz standards. So they've got that. He only nice. talks in, in, in poetry or literature or song, and he quotes... A train and a couple others, I think, and uh, he's he's a real jerk, kinda, because he refuses to disclose any information to the unicorn, and that's just rude. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. It's been too long since I've listened to "Take the A Train." I need to listen to that again. I've been working on it with the with the student. It's really fun to. Yeah, uh, I love teaching those songs. We used to play all the time to. Uh, my kitties. It's so great because um, you know the song inside and out, so you can teach all the little t- tips and tricks that you've learned and be like, hey, so if you hit this mm-hmm. note here, it's kind of cool. Or yeah, if you hit yeah. this note, trust me, I, I know from experience, it's it's not good. <laughs> yeah. I've got yeah, a few of that, those. And I've been, uh, I've been working on Honeysuckle Rose with another mm. student, and that's a that's a great one for the, teaching uh, the standards a basic scale favorite. shape. We should do a top 10 list of our favorite standard. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll have to do that sometime. Not yeah, maybe yet. Next month we'll, we'll do that. Yeah, one. we'll do that sometime next month. Yeah. We want to spread our top 10s out so we don't become BuzzFeed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Spread them out a little bit. Or that one guy that uh, the Burger King foot lettuce meme came from. Number 10, Burger King foot lettuce. <laughs> 
Oh we don't want to be like that either. All right, um, number seven on the list. Alien. Alien, okay. Scores by Jerry Goldsmith, and it's from 1979. I think a lot of people have uh, seen and loved, loved this movie. I actually didn't see it until not last year, technically two years ago, but uh, at the very end of 2017 when my wife and I went on our honeymoon. Uh, she sleeps on the planes because she hates flying, and I watched movies the whole time because, well, I never sleep. Um, well, that's, that's true. You don't sleep much. I don't know how. Yeah, and so, so uh, Alien was one of them, and I was so happy that it was because I've been really wanting to uh, watch it ever since I got interested in good films, and uh, I just hadn't had the chance. And as far as I know, I've never seen it appear on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, so I never really had the opportunity, and I don't usually go out and buy movies because I'm lazy and stingy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I was kind of mad at myself when I watched this movie just because it's inspired so much of everything that I love. Um, both with uh, video games and other films and uh, like the way that everything's designed in it and the tone. It's so much of what I appreciate in media that right. I was genuinely upset with myself for not having seen it before. It makes sense because when I was a kid, uh, I had the sheltered lifestyle where I wasn't allowed to watch even like Dragon Tales because it had dragons in it. But dragons are the best. <laughs> I I don't know. But anyway. So would you have been allowed to watch How to Train Your Dragon? I don't know. That's interesting. That came out so late in life that uh, that those standards were gone. So that's it. I don't know. You might want huh. I would ask that question just out of curiosity. Yeah. I, that, that's that's because uh, I mean, because that's one of my love, favorite love that movie. That's an awesome movie. Huh. Now I'm interested in that. Anyway, Alien. Um, <laughs> it. I, I really love everything to do with, and this is the the first Alien movie, and um, the 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 set design and the uh, the creature design all done by H. R. Geiger. Geiger. I think it's Geiger. I don't know. Um, pronunciation, but. It really immerses you and makes you feel like everything's real. I mean, this is a movie from the 70s, and it it really feels like they are actually in space, on a spaceship, and all that. It doesn't feel cheesy, like a start, an early Star Trek or something like that. Um, and uh, the fact that everything was uh, practical effects, like the Xenomorph was a real thing, um, is incredible but what i really like about the the score is how well it represented all of that tone so uh if you listen to the main theme of it you can hear um underneath everything uh the strings are like gently scratching i don't know how string players do it because I'm not a violin player or anything like that but they're scratching it in a way that it sounds like little insects and parasites are chittering along the ground following you and surrounding oh, you and it, it just feel it feels like you're being watched and followed by something as you're listening to the soundtrack even when you're not watching the movie 
it's that effective in just creating this dreadful feeling of being alone and helpless. So um, it would be a good soundtrack to listen to while you're running to make sure you keep running faster. Probably, because <laughs> you probably are uh, convinced that you're about to get a an alien bursting out from your belly or something. <laughs> but, uh... It, oh my gosh. The theme was pretty memorable, and I, I watched a uh, an interview with with uh, Jerry Goldsmith and um, Ridley Scott, the director, and uh, Goldsmith was saying how he never uh, he never scored a film until he'd watched it first, and um, okay. and when he watched this movie, like it genuinely terrified him. Like, he was really scared of the movie, and that made him all the more excited to write the score which it's that's probably the most fascinating thing to me is is uh he watched the movie without the score all the way through was terrified of it even without his score that adds to that sense right. and knew what to do to um support those feelings um which that so either this film is really scary or this dude just doesn't handle scary stuff very well I would say that because honestly, Alien doesn't scare me <laughs> as far as movies go. I'm more of just really drawn in and it's fascinating and um, and everything is really cool. Like, Sure, if I was in that situation, I would most certainly be terrified, but I, I don't know. Maybe I've just been spoiled by other scary movies where um, things are... I don't know, maybe scarier, but th- this one, it's more of like, whoa, God, right. Oh, she got to die. <laughs> <laughs> You're sick. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why, but I always imagine the alien just having this like, eh, I'm going to get you kind of voice. And it kind of amuses me. That would make just, it funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why. I just feel like the alien's having a lot of fun and that makes me have <laughs> they fun. They probably are. They're enjoying eating yeah, people. I, I think so. I think they're just having a blast and it kind of makes it less scary for me, but that doesn't mean the score is any less uh, effective. Hilarious. <laughs> um, in supporting that, like, it, honestly, listening to the score on its own is scarier than the movie is to me. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I, if one has not seen Alien, then it's certainly worth watching. And um, they they really kept the pacing... They, they took their time with it. So, right. Okay. And that, that, that's the same with the score as well. So it's not like a lot of, um, horror movies now where the only score is really a bunch of violins get in a room and they slowly rise in pitch until boom, there's a jump scare that makes no sense. And they use sound effects that don't make any sense. It's nothing like that. Like everything feels real when you watch Alien and they don't, he doesn't bring it in anything too early uh, with the score or like the, the directing of what's on scene. Like they really take their time and they don't reveal the alien until later. They, uh, they, they let you get drawn in and actually get to know the characters before they get eaten. (laughs) (laughs) So it, it's just very well done and put together and right. it, it's so much better than so many sci-fi and, and uh, horror movies these days that uh, 
really are not worth anyone's time, but I'll watch anyway because scary movies are fun <laughs> and they're stupid. <laughs> but uh, okay, let's move on to the next one. And this on is another one that now? people might hate me for. Too bad. <laughs> uh, number six is Labyrinth. Labyrinth, okay. The score is by Trevor Jones. It's from 1986. And as you listener probably know, David Bowie had quite a lot to do with this one. He sings multiple songs in it that are creepy and very amusing. And he dances with a baby and throws it into the air and catches it. And it's totally a doll and it's hilarious. (laughs) He's wearing the tightest of spandex suits that anyone has ever seen. And that is also quite creepy when he's... uh, a goblin king that has stolen a baby and is now having a teenage girl run through his magical labyrinth. It's creepy, but it's the eighties. So they're allowed to be creepy. Um, uh, the, the David Bowie music is, I mean, it's David Bowie. So I do love pretty much everything that he's done and it's fun. But the part that I actually like to this score is the stuff that's done by Trevor Jones, which Bowie probably had something to do with, but I don't know the story there. But um, the score is very typical of the 80s sound. Um, it's very, uh, very fantasy-esque. Um, a lot of synthesized um, tones. And uh, I feel like in listening to it, it kind of has the sound of a, like a medieval bard playing. Right. If, if, you, took, if okay. you transported a dude with a lute to the 80s and put him in front of a synthesizer. This is what he'd know how to play. <laughs> okay. Um, that that That's kind of what I hear when I uh, watch the movie. And I, honestly, it's I feel like I'm biased simply because this is the best of the best when it comes to Jim Henson's, Henson's um, Muppet puppets. Um, the, okay. uh, the, the few pup... Well, there's, there's a ton of puppets in this movie, but... Um, Everything he did with it, it seems incredibly real and which adds to the creep, the creep factor and the um, the childhood nightmares. But it's a it's it, it's so engrossing to just realize that the thing that you're watching is being puppeteered and it's not an actual like it's not done with CGI it's not a person in there. It's an actual puppet. And right. it's believable that that is the thing that's talking and interacting with the, uh, the main character, <laughs> which, uh, and I, I love the, uh, like the dark crystal. And, um, obviously he did Yoda and, and, uh, also obviously all the Muppet stuff, but I, I, this is my favorite of all those things. And, um, as I said, you might hate me for this one that was out there, but this is a nostalgia one, too. Um, I didn't watch this movie until a few years ago. I never had the opportunity, and I know I didn't see it as a child. <laughs> <laughs> but it uh, it's the better version of things like The NeverEnding Story and um, other puppety movies I saw as a kid that were not very good. So it kind of reminds me of all that stuff that I loved when I was younger, but it's in a movie that is actually really interesting and fun and well done. 
Um, and it's just about as 80s as anything could ever be. <laughs> right. And um, uh, just just to note, the main actress, Jennifer Connelly, a thousand percent, looks like uh, Robin from How I Met Your Mother. I they they look like the same person because I wanted to double check that because I thought about it I was like I don't I don't know so I looked it up you're you're right it, they're they look pretty similar <laughs> they look like they're related they have nothing to do with each other but they look like they're the same person or sisters or <laughs> or that's her mom or something nope nothing to do with each other yeah they look very similar yeah they sound alike their mannerisms are similar even <laughs> when one was a kid when she did this movie but. Okay, let's move on from that one. Uh, I, I might be losing some respect now, so let's move uh, a little up. And Redeem the, yourself a the, little bit. Yeah, because <laughs> the next one is Mad Max Fury Road. I hope I pronounced this one right. Actually, I don't really care if I pronounce it wrong. Oh, well. Tom Hulkenborg. <laughs> this movie's from 2015, which I was surprised when I saw that because I... I didn't realize that this was four years old. I thought that this came out like last year or something. But um, yeah, that's tr- it is pretty recent still. But yeah, 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 it is, it is I, older than I thought. I just don't remember it coming out that long ago. I I watched it last year and I thought it was almost brand new. But whatever. Um, this is a this is the first Mad Max film that I've watched, but it it's. Did you ever play like Fallout Three or uh, Four or any of those? Have I what? Have you played Fallout any of those games? I've played. Um, I played Fallout New Vegas. Okay, and, yeah, that's um, the best one. <laughs> I've watched you play Fallout Four when it first came out because you got it for the PS4. Oh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. I played okay. it a little bit, but not a whole lot. Yeah, I, I feel Mad like Max this, this is the. Sort of feel. Yeah, exactly. They're they're very closely intertwined. So seeing this on the screen is kind of like seeing a, a Fallout movie. And this is, I, I'm not a huge Mel Gibson fan, so I'm really he was a uh, Mad Max back in the day. So I'm really glad that we have this movie because I love the tone of of this uh, post apocalyptic style and uh, this. This one adds so much color to a desolate environment. So many of these shots, I feel like I could just like freeze frame, print it out and put it on my wall because it's a gorgeous film for a place that's just been brutalized by a bunch of like tribal freaks with guns. Right. That sounds about right. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And the score is... I don't even remember noticing it when I uh, watched the film, which that's a lot of uh, that's important when you watch a movie. I feel a lot of the time it's rather that it supports the scene so much that uh, you can't help but take the whole thing in or it supports the scene so much that you don't really even notice it. It's just like part of the entire experience Um, and it doesn't distract you basically. Um, Right, because if it's distract if it's distracting you from what's on scene and it's not like John Williams level of wonderful, then it's probably doing the wrong stuff. So this is one of those that I went back and listened to when I did this list because it's one of my favorite movies ever, and I was curious if 
the score was held up as much as the movie. And oh my gosh, does it. It is an incredible <laughs> score. It uh, Even though it's all instruments and probably some synthesized stuff, it, right. um, it has sounds that sounds like roaring engines. And there's uh, the tribal drum sounds that you'll hear in it, which uh, it makes sense with the plot because it uh, a lot of it almost has this post-apocalyptic cult thing going on and uh the the followers that are acting all primal and uh tribal with uh with their desires and not really using any kind of common sense so they're just right maniacs with with weaponry well i mean uh, that's kind of the whole point of the movie yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and uh a lot of the sounds in the score they 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 kind of sound like gunshots, which considering how much action and violence is in this movie, you'd uh, you'd almost think that that wouldn't be a good thing to have in the score. But right, uh, it 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 works. It's wonderful. And listening to this, I would never ever put it on in the car because I'd probably go to prison for driving 130 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You'd be driving just like you're in the movie. Crashing yep, through stuff, yep. do, going up jumps. Yep. Next thing you know, there'd be a machine gun on the top of the zombie. <laughs> I'd start taking out pointy things and poking the cars that are next to me, trying to slash their tires as I drive by. <laughs> Jump onto the hood of my car as it's going full speed. Right. It'd be kind of like... Whip my guitar out and play. <laughs> have you ever played that game? Uh, there's an old computer game called um, Road Rash. It's a motorcycle racing game. So, I do know of this game. I never played it, but I know it. So in this game, you would, you'd you'd uh, you'd be racing other people, but then you'd you'd pick weapons. So you'd have a bat or a chain or something, and you'd try to beat the people next to you and knock them off their bikes. And the whole time you're being chased by cops. <laughs> and if you got caught by the cops, you'd lose the race, of course. But then they would they would take you off to jail in the worst way possible. They would handcuff you to the motorcycle and drag you behind the motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was hilarious. It's a great game. I remember one, I, I think I remember this. I, this might just be in my head and this might not be real, but in my head, I remember this cut scene where they put the wheel of the bike on your face and then rev the engine. So it spun the wheel on your face. I don't know if that's really oh real gosh. or not. That might just be something <laughs> that I'm imagining because it's been so long since I played the game. That would certainly turn up, turn up in a Mad Max movie. That's for sure. Yeah. It, I feel like that's kind of fitting for this. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite things about this movie is the one dude who is playing the most metal guitar ever and is just uh, sitting on top of some giant uh, apocalyptic Mack truck. And no matter where they go or what they're doing, he doesn't stop playing uh, <laughs> the heaviest of metal riffs. And th- oh there's, there's there's some there's a bit of soulmate in, in that person. I understand him. I, I'm pretty sure even when he dies, he, he keeps on playing. <laughs> <laughs> he's determined. His fire shooting out of his guitar. That's the only way he can cope with it. Oh, yep. man, that's yeah. right I, I'm, there. I'm pretty sure that he might be the most depressed person there, and he's just trying to get by. Yeah. He might actually be sane, and he just thinks that if he just keeps playing, no one will hurt him. Sad day. Maybe he's just trying to make a buck. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in this case, I think he was just trying to get a drop of water. But <laughs> That's so funny. All right, what's next? It's a really fun movie. 
So if 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 you're one of those people out there that doesn't like uh, action movies, you've seen Transformers and you feel like you've seen too many explosions in your life, just go watch this film because it's a different kind of action and it it's fantastic and it's really worth anybody watching. It's really fun. Um, it, it is very, very violent, but it, it's worth it. Even if you're a sensitive person, it's okay. Go watch this movie. Even you if you're will sensitive. Love it. Wow. It's, it's okay. Way to like isolate half our audience. <laughs> hey, if they watch this, then um, they'll know how bad things could get someday. That's especially so, in this America. Anyway, number that's four. Terrible. All right, yeah, let's move it on. Moving on. <laughs> it follows, which I mentioned before. It this is why it follows you <laughs> specifically. Um. Anyways, it follows. <laughs> <laughs> the score is by Disaster Piece. Disaster we, I piece. talked about this one before, yes. so I, I won't go into too much detail. This is from back in 2014. It's um, I feel like if it wasn't for Disaster Pieces score, this probably wouldn't be that good of a movie. Um, it okay. is very interesting. The premise is is lovely. It feels like a classic scary movie idea. Um, and I would put it up there with all the classes, Halloween, Friday the 13th, all, all those. I think it holds up with those. But I feel like it goes beyond that for me personally, simply because of Disaster Piece and that 8-bit pixelated synth wave sound that he uses. Because um, it just adds a, a layer of art to it that is exactly what I love. Um, so we'll move on from that one because I've already talked about it before. But if one has not seen this and they like scary movies, it's totally worth it. And it's probably still on Netflix for as much as I know. Um that's the way that I saw it. All right. All righty. Next up is the one that I'm, well, one that I'm just really excited to talk about. It's Annihilation. This score is okay. done by Jeff Barrow, Barrow, I don't know, and Ben Salisbury. The only reason I know how to pronounce that is because of Salisbury steak. That's a <laughs> Lancaster thing. And I Jeff, know. it's probably Barrow, like a wheelbarrow. Probably. I don't know, though. Sorry, Jeff, Jeff Wheelbarrow and Ben Salisbury Steak. I'm, the if only reason I'm okay sorry, with making fun of them is because... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, bro, but your score was absolutely incredible, and I will make jokes because you guys rock. Anyway, this film's from last year, which is very weird to me because I feel like it was a couple of we- years ago, and uh, I, I think this one squeaked by without people noticing, and... It, in like a couple of decades, this is going to be one of those movies that is as big as Alien is now. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know everything in the world, but I think that this one can easily be a classic just because there's Wait, you so don't know many... everything? I thought you did. That's why we're doing this podcast. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not my wife, dude. I can't know everything. That's to make up for wow. when I forgot our first dance. She must listen to this podcast, doesn't she? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> love you bethany looking for some redemption anyways <laughs> we've both kind of so isolated annihil- ourselves in the last couple of weeks with some of the stuff we've said yeah so we got to yep. kind of grovel a little bit <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyways <laughs> so annihilation is uh it's a sci-fi flick uh i, I think it counts as horror but yeah 
not really. Um, more of it. Okay. It does count as horror, but it's more like the Lovecraftian style of horror, which a lot of people out there refer to as cosmic horror, where it's a kind of a, it, it's the, the fear of the unknown in a way and things that can't be comprehended. And, okay. Um, kind of like every life. Mu- yeah, yeah, really. Uh, that, that are much that are so beyond you and your humanity that that's what's creepy about it. All the Cthulhu crap, right? Okay. Um, I do. I I like Lovecraftian stuff, but uh, this one it it the movie's themes. A lot of it is about like self destruction and like a a mental corruption, and um, the score is one of the best that I've ever heard. And, uh, and an interview that I saw completely supports that everything that I felt about it is exactly what they intended. So as the movie goes on, the score changes okay. and that runs completely in line with the film itself. Um, I don't want to really spoil anything because if people out there haven't seen this movie, they need to go watch it. It's on Hulu and Amazon and you have to see it. But, uh, it has, a. Uh, Natalie Portman as the lead role. So if you liked Queen Amidala, th- there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Padme's back with a vengeance. She's not dying of being sad with babies this time. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my anyway, gosh. So the interview, they talked about how uh, how they approach film school. It's, uh, it's an interview that they did with Rolling Stone that I read up on when I was looking things up for this. And Basically, they uh, they they didn't want to blow everything that they had interesting in the score early in the movie. So the theme of the movie doesn't show up until the end. Um, and if it okay. is there, then I must have missed it. And I want to go back and watch it again and again, see if I can catch it. The theme is nothing more than four notes. And it's very memorable for being that simple. But uh, it has a lot to do with what happens on screen when it plays. But uh, early in the film, because the uh, in that current state, everything feels very realistic and human. Um, they use an acoustic guitar uh, finger-picking style because they wanted to uh, keep things grounded in reality and a uh, feeling of um, having a homey feel to it. Okay. Um, like a having a childlike exploration of uh, of the wilderness kind of a feel. Right. And th- so that part's very effective. But by the end of the movie, they've now applied a severe bit crusher to everything. Everything has gone from that homey feel to now even more synthesized than the It Follows or... Um, sounding more cosmic and out there than the interstellar soundtrack. Okay. So it goes through a complete transformation over the course of the movie. And that has everything to do with the actual film itself. And, um, but it's so subtle. Uh, You don't, uh, I didn't notice it until the second time I watched it. I noticed the main theme and it was, uh, and instantly I was drawn in. I was just like, Whoa, Oh my goodness. And uh, because I was kind of casually watching the movie with it on because I was uh, 
straighten up the house and um, organizing some music. And then towards the end of it, like it, it refused to let me look away. And I was just drawn in for the rest of the movie from then on. And then the second time I watched it, it was a completely different experience with actually listening out for it and having the whole thing be a musical journey as much as a film journey. <laughs> and uh, hmm. so it, it's very much so worth a watch, especially if you're interested in composing, because they they approach this with a mastery that I can only aspire to. <laughs> um, I'll have to listen to it. I haven't watched that movie before. The simplicity of it is outrageously good. So that's something that I want in my music is keeping things simple, yet it feels new and fresh and... Um, just the amount of might and mystery that's in such a very simple idea is overwhelmingly inspiring for me moving forward in music. So mm-hmm. it was, it's kind of like um, for my outlook on writing a life changing sort of a thing. So it's um, there, there, there's a ton to it. Like when I uh, wrote up this one, which by the way, this top 10, I, I wrote up and we're going to be putting it on the blog for anyone that wants some notes or whatever. But, yes, uh, we will. We'll post it the day after the podcast goes live. So we'll have the yeah. blog go up on Tuesday for you. Yep. And um, part of what I said about it is that it, in the ending, there's even though it's it, there, you have that bit crusher on and it seems heavily in synthesized, like uh, the humanity of everything has been lost to this to it there's still like this breathy calm life to it like it feels like the music is alive it's really difficult to tell if the music is actually the music or if it's what you're seeing on screen making the sounds which it's right. not often you get a score that is so connected to the movie itself that you struggle to it, it's it's like messing with your reality in the movie itself. It, it's weird. So if you haven't seen it, right. go watch it. Um, it takes its good old time. Um, so give it give it a chance and um, and get through it. it because of its Lovecraftian approach. It um, it leaves a lot to interpretation, and that's. I mean, that's kind of the point of it. It's not right, to say okay. that this is one of those where at the end of it, you're just like, what happened? Like, it, it, it's very clear. It's well done and it's not boring or anything like that. It's just if you start watching it and you feel like, oh, I don't understand or something like that. It's one of those things you just kind of have to pay a bit of attention to. There's things that, that happen in it that actual plot points that I didn't catch on my first watch. I mean, like I said, I was watching kind of casually, but seeing it a second time, I, I got it. So, right. Okay. Um, anywho, now let's move on to number two. This is number one of my two. favorite movies yes. of all time. It might be my favorite movie of all time, even though it's not at number one. But uh, okay, interesting. That, this movie is Blade Runner. The score is done by Vangelis in uh, 1982. Uh, Vangelis. Think 19, he's, he's had a couple things from 1982. Do I? Yeah, that unicorn one. It was from 82 oh. as well, you said. 
Wow. That's pretty funny. Maybe eighty two. Must have been a good year. year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Blade Runner came out, so it must have been. That's funny. You know, there there might have been a Star Wars that came out that year. Depends. It's possible. No, no. I I think that the the original trilogy was three year gaps, so it doesn't line up. Okay. Uh, Anywho, Blade Runner. The next year would have been Empire. Empire probably. Um. Okay. Uh, so Vangelis, I think he's Swedish. He's one of those, one okay. of those countries up there. Um, I don't, I didn't write down his actual name. This is his artist's name that he goes by. And, um, I don't know if he's still around anymore, but his, uh, his score in this one, it is, uh, it was defining for the eighties synth wave sound. Um, this is where it came from. So I feel like this this is the sound that turned into like the Stranger Things theme, the It Follows disaster piece thing, all, all of that, those trends. And every time you uh, listen to anything that's trying to give you a nostalgia 80s trip and it uses a synthy sound, it's kind of it, it's because of this movie. That's why. Um, Blade Runner, if you don't know, it's uh, it's a cyberpunk style. It's a uh, very philosophical. It is um, very mysterious. It's um, even though it's a sci-fi and um, has a, uh, th- that cyberpunk dystopia, it's a, uh, the movie's done in the style of a film noir. So um, in that vein, the score, even though everything's synthesized, right. it takes the style of classic film noir, uh, like the the jazz music. Like there'll be a saxophone playing in the background while the uh, the detective is talking to the, some hot lady about a mystery and being tricked <laughs> or something like that. Well, Bethany, don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it uh. The, the soundtrack, it, it basically synthesizes those sounds to create a sci-fi version of those uh, those jazz tones. Or at least that's right. what I hear. I mean, maybe someone else hears something else, but I hear that he's taking that style of music and creating an electronic uh, synthesized version of it. Okay. And um, so everything sounds like a, a jazz ballad and... I don't actually think that there's any point of this score that it, it's like a uh, like a driving action scene. If if I remember right, the uh, the the bigger action scenes are silent, which I think is pretty typical of a noir. Like the music comes after someone's been shot, kind of a thing. Okay. Um, and they give room for dialogue and all of that. There's a lot right. of visuals with this one, and. Um, I also want to just mention alongside of this that I, I didn't want to include both of them because I didn't feel that was fair in taking up two slots. But Blade Runner 2049 kind of goes hand in hand with this movie. I, that's one of my favorite movies of all time as well. And the score in that is just as good as this one. That's done by Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Wallfish. Okay. Gotcha. It's <laughs> a fun name. but uh, What a name. They, yeah. B- they did a <laughs> fabulous job with taking the tone from back in 1980 and uh, and translating it to I think this one that was 
last year or 2017. I'm terrible with years and such, but that's a, that's a lovely movie too. So uh, I wrote down a quote from um, Vangelis talking about uh, what he did with, uh, with this. So I'm just going to read it. He said, I believe he's, he had a wonderful accent. I believe the electronic sound is equally natural. The only thing that has changed is the source and somehow it can go further than the acoustic instruments because it can produce sounds closer to the sounds of the universe. So basically he loved using these electronic sounds because he felt that they had an, an unlimited potential to represent anything that you want to uh, portray on the screen. Okay. He's got a point. Um, That's true. Yeah. Which, and I, I, the, 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 like, the genuine passion for uh, for this approach that you could hear in his voice when he's saying this made it all the more uh, profound to think about. Because usually we tend to be like audiophile where acoustic instruments are the peak of things. And mm-hmm. um, like if I'm running my, uh, my arch top through an amp. I want it to have as clean of a sound as possible. I'm not going to put it through any pedals if I can help it, blah, 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 blah. And this guy's just like, oh, yeah, I'll go as far as possible. Bring on all the weird effects. I'm going to get right. whatever message I want to put on that screen, no matter what it takes. And uh, and I'm going to make it happen right now. Because there are other people talking that like he didn't write anything down or things like that. He would just, boom, soundscape out of nowhere. He just knew what to do immediately. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. So if uh, if you people haven't seen Blade Runner, go watch it and take note. It is very, very slow. It's a long movie and it um, it is not for everybody by any sense. I think as many people there are out there that love it, there's an equal amount that probably hate it. Um, it's not a Star Wars or an Indiana Jones or something like that. This one, ironically, both of those are Harrison Ford films. So is this one. (laughs) Oh my Um, gosh. You're full of Harrison Ford films. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He's, he, he he happens to be my favorite, but it's just a coincidence that my favorite uh, scores go along with his movies. But (laughs) um, it's not a typical watch for anybody. It's much slower than Mad Max. It's it's nothing like those. But if uh, if you're in the mood for something that'll take its good old time to showcase uh, some wonderful ideas and practical effects and things like that, it's a really great movie. And um, and if that one ends up too slow, then try out Blade Runner twenty forty nine because it does a lot of the same uh, philosophical ideas. It's almost a rehash of the original, but done with modern, uh, modern quality. And uh, Harrison Ford's in that one too. <laughs> and, uh, that that's a great movie as well. But uh. all right, so I know everybody's expecting us to say number one right here because that's only logical, of course. But unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, and we actually don't have that recording. So what Matt and I are going to do is we're going to re-record it for you and re-release it as a uh, small bonus episode later on this week. In the meantime, though, please listen to this, like, share, comment, subscribe, share it to all your friends. We really appreciate you sitting through and listening to us talk. Um, We do think we have a lot to offer, but it only really matters if you guys think so, too. So if you like it, please share it with your friends. 
Uh, if you don't like it, you know, you don't have to share. It's okay. We're not going to be upset by that. But, you know, if you do like it, please do. Um, you can reach out and contact us through Twitter and Instagram uh, at T-Bowls Music on both of those. Or you can email us through our website, TommyBowls.com. Uh, you can reach me directly at Tommy at TommyBowls.com. Um, yeah, just, you know, thank you guys again for listening. We really appreciate it a lot. So you guys have a great one, and we will hear from you in a couple days. Thank you.